Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also can find us every day, Monday through Friday on Dash Radio. That's 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. We put up, I think, 11 stories there today, all free. We don't charge you a paywall. Why would you want to pay for sports news? Check out 5reasonsports.com. All of our podcasts are there. Also, you can find our YouTube channel there. We just tonight crossed 4,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We'll get that thing to 10,000 by the end of the year, so make sure you check that out. Also, check out the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. All of our sponsors are are local they're all miami sports fans we're not working with somebody from out in idaho they're all here in south florida including the gonzalez and tybor law firm check out bankruptcy is good for you.com if you're having any kind of financial trouble you know a recent report showed that over 45 percent of people use their stimulus checks to repay debt this is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses. Even before the pandemic, household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. Nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as, as an option for dealing with your debt, but bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exists to actually help consumers. So before you make another debt payment that you can't afford or you do something drastic like empty out your 401k or borrow money from friends and family, why don't you talk to a professional about your options? Contact Gonzalez and Tybor, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. The phone number is 954-378-8184. That's 954, again, Broward, 378-8184. An attorney will answer your call, and consultations are always free and can be done by telephone or video conference. Bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. And now, today's happy episode welcome to five on the floor a miami heat and nba podcast from ethan skolnick with alban sydney aka alf 954 brought to you by the five reasons sports network all right ethan skolnick back here on five on the floor we're going to go with uh, sort of a lot of stuff kind of in progress tonight. We've got Alex um, headed, headed on here soon. Uh, we're going to have, we got Greg Sylvander with us as well. Greg, as we do this, um, what do we have as a score? Where are we? Right now we're at, a, we're at 111, 104. There's 42.6 seconds left. And I believe Jimmy just got fouled. Okay, so Jimmy just got fouled. So we're going to slow play this thing a little bit because we want to make sure that we get this episode up, uh, you know, in time so that everybody can enjoy it tonight uh, before others enjoy it on Dash Radio. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. If you're a Heat fan, you'll probably enjoy it. Um, again, the Heat are up seven as we're speaking with 34 and a half left. Uh, and we're anticipating, unless there's a Tracy McGrady-like moment here at the end, a victory. It's now 113 to 104 in game Jimmy one. scored again. 
Jamie right, so scored again, 113-104, and this has just been unbelievable. <laughs> All right, so, so that, that's fine. So we're, I think we're safe. Jimmy got a steal. And <laughs> Stop Jimmy. it. Stop it. I, I think we're safe. I think we're safe. All right, well, let's, let's get started here with some of the things that happened tonight as the Heat are going to go up game uh, one nothing in this series, the series that I think we've, we felt for a long time was a matchup that could be beneficial to the Miami Heat in a lot of different ways. And to me, what was fascinating about today's game is that they did it in a way that I don't think any of us expected. It's not that they beat the Bucs, because I think we all believe they could beat the Bucs. I picked the Bucs and uh, excuse me, the Heat in six. You picked the Heat in seven. But we thought if the Heat were going to beat the Bucs, it was because there were a barrage of three-point shots with the Bucs giving up those threes and closing off the paint. And instead... Goran Dragic, who was unbelievable again. I remember, Goran Dragic only had back-to-back 20-point games one time in the regular season. He's now gone for 20 in all five playoff games, including 27 uh, in game one. But Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler, who I believe will finish with 39, unless he tacks on something here at the end, they got into the paint any time they wanted, Greg, and that was enough to overcome kind of a weak overall performance from the bench and 12 of 31 from three, which is fine. It picked up late, but not the kind of barrage that we expected they would need to beat the Bucks in game one. Jimmy Butler officially finishes with 40 points on 13 of 20 field goal shooting. Um, but listen, I mean, this is your, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the barrage of three point shooting. Duncan Robinson was one of four from the field. He had four points. Um, essentially another element of this is that we kind of thought if Chris Middleton had a 20, 20- 8.6 and 5 type game that that would be conducive to, to Milwaukee finding a way to beat Miami because you expect Giannis to do what Giannis does and that didn't play out that way even Brooke Lopez came to play and Miami still gutted it out I mean it's really um, this is probably the most impressive win in in years honestly well I don't think that's hyperbole if you consider what the Bucks were in the regular season I, I think we've kind of I don't know, fooled ourselves, <laughs> not fooled ourselves. That's the wrong way to put it. I, I think we've kind of talked ourselves into this being an even matchup because of the way that the Heat played against them in the regular season and because of some of the things I've talked about on five on the floor a lot, which is that I thought some of the Bucks' advantages went away in the bubble. They lost momentum. They weren't going to have home court. Some of their older guys were going to take a little bit ready, uh, longer to sort of get back into the right shape. Uh, we didn't know what Eric Bledsoe was going to be today. He didn't even play which I did think has had some impact because I, I just don't think George Hill at this stage, although there were a couple of moments where he pressed Dragic and gave him trouble. I don't think George Hill at this stage can stay with Goran Dragic consistently. I think that's something that Bledsoe probably can do, but George Hill can't. But I think, you know, we, we, then when the national media started to jump on the heat bandwagon, I think we we're all kind of like, okay, you know, this is winnable. But I think if you, Again, go back to training camp, okay? Go back to where the world saw the Heat team being this year and then go back to the regular season when the Bucs were historically dominant. And the biggest takeaway from this game for me is that, again, the Heat didn't play the way that they've typically had to play to win this year, and they still looked like the better team. Like, they still – like, they gave up 40 points in the first quarter – 
And I never felt like it was something that they couldn't come back from. It, it, I, to me, it felt like they were playing them pretty even. Um, they, were, they were taking away Giannis as much as they could. I think one unsung hero today, not going to get talked about a lot, I thought Jay Crowder was great. I, I thought he was great. I, he, he made Giannis work for everything um, until others could kind of take the assignment from him. But I, I think, again, when you look at what they were doing, and that's why I kept tweeting during the first half, they're still in this thing. They're still in this thing because – Duncan Robinson took one three in the first half. He ended up this, the game one for four. It took Hero a long time to get going. He had the big shot late and made three threes, but he finished three of 11. I thought Kendrick Nunn had some pretty good minutes, but he was three of nine. Olenek really gave them nothing in eight minutes. And, and still they were right there. And then yeah. they had the two best closers on the floor at the end, which they've had pretty much for the entire playoffs now. I mean, Goran was unbelievable again. And another guy that will, is an unsung hero that won't, you won't see it in a box score is Andre Iguodala. He was forcing Giannis left as much as possible, getting his hands in there. Um, I just thought that the way that he approached that assignment, um, he was just uh, harassing Giannis on multiple plays. And another interesting statistic from Cooper Moorhead uh, before the game was that when Giannis hits two or more threes this season, Milwaukee's 25-4. and four. He hit two mm-hmm. threes tonight and they lost. So it's like everything that you would have thought um, would kind of lean in their favor, just Jimmy, Jimmy took over. This is why you go and get a Jimmy Butler for, for a 40-point uh, performance against a one seed. Yeah, now Alex is going to join in a second, so I want to give him a little time to catch up here, and he's going to be on some of the Zoom calls also. Let's go through some of the numbers, Greg, um, for people who are just catching up to it now or maybe didn't hear the whole, see the whole game. The game started a little later than we anticipated, but, um, but just, just in case here, Jimmy Butler finishes with 40 points in 36 minutes, uh, 13 of 20, 2 of 2 from 3, 12 of 13 from the line, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, was a plus seven. Goran Dragic, 27 points in 33 minutes. Again, fifth straight 20-point game in the playoffs. Nine of 15 from the floor, two of five from three, seven of seven from the line. When your two best attackers, okay, or our best playmakers slash attackers are 19 of 20 from the line and the other team's stars are struggling from the line, you're going to win a lot of games. Dragic also had six rebounds, five assists, and a steal with just two turnovers. Bam Adebayo, 38 minutes, 12, 17, and 6 with two steals, plus 10. Uh, Jay Crowder, 3 of 8 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3, but again, I thought his defense on Giannis was bigger. We mentioned Duggar Robinson was 1 of 4 from the field, all from 3, plus uh, made one free throw. And then the leading scorer of the bench was Hero, who had 11 on 3 of 11 shooting, but did make the, the big late shot. And, and none, Iguodala and Olenek, were the others to play. No DJJ. All right, Alex, you're here now. Um, we, we discussed a little bit of the fact that the Heat won this game without doing what we thought they would have to do to win, which was beating the, the Bucks from up top. Instead, they beat them in the paint over and over and over. What did you take from it? I mean, honestly, this is one of the most impressed, you know, some of the most impressed I've been with the Heat throughout this whole series. I mean, I mean, the whole season, pardon me. I think just the fact that, you know, they really didn't have as much luck as you maybe would have hoped for with a three-point line and the fact that they looked the way they did despite that, where Duncan Robinson was almost an X-factor, I mean, a, a non-factor, I mean to say. I just, I can't take away anything other than positives from this game. And that's an obvious, but at the end of the day, man, they went out there and Jimmy and Goran dragged them through the win. So did Bam at the Bam was a huge part of this. And they were not drilling threes like you would expect. And I think like we all were kind of hoping for in this first game. 
and they still look great all throughout, even when they were missing the threes. I just thought they were doing a really good job executing. They weren't making a lot of mistakes other than those, you know, couple stretches where they were turning the ball over, which always comes with uh, this Heat team. But at the end of the day, man, they were not, you know, they just looked so poised. They kept going, getting to their looks over and over, even when they weren't going down. I thought they did a great job with Giannis, even though they kind of downsized. Uh, when you're just talking about the size of the rotation, now that they replaced Derek with Kedrick Nunn, I, I think even, especially with that, like they did such a good job defensively on Giannis and the rest of the team, even if, you know, Middleton and Brooke got hot, I think they executed their game plan almost as, as well as you could hope for, other than the threes not going down. And just this is a monumental win. Yeah, it is. And, you, you know, you mentioned some of the rotation stuff. Let's touch on a little bit of that, too, before we get into some of the matchup things that happened. You know, Spolster went again uh, for a pretty extended period with the three guards, uh, with Nun, Dragic, and Hero together. It didn't have great success today, but I was actually surprised. I looked at it in the starting lineup uh, in the regular season, and those three played together in 22 games. And they were actually really good defensively with the three of them out there together. Which so is, weird. Wow. Right. They were, they were a 96 offensive rating and a 93 defensive rating. Like I would have thought it would have been 116, 113. So he stayed with that for a little bit, but I was, I was somewhat surprised when you're going against a team without its starting point guard that you would size down this much. Like Derek Jones Jr. We talked about, he may not have a big role in this series that they seem to be prepping Kendrick Nunn, but to actually see it in practice where Eric basically, they basically played one big. I mean, Kelly played eight minutes and, uh, you know, they subbed out Derek Jones Jr., which meant that Crowder and, and Iguodala were basically playing the four in those other spots. And at times they went with three guards, you know, with Hero being the tallest guard on the floor. That surprised me a little bit that Eric took that, that approach. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do also is that he was able to play with almost a full contingent um, that was and in foul trouble. So essentially, the Bam Adebayo, 37 minutes, uh, Jimmy, 36 minutes. Like, those guys, he didn't ever have to sit them for any kind of foul issues. And it just allowed him to just let those guys play. And they're just basketball players. I mean, what Bam did today in terms of the way that he didn't shoot particularly well but still was impacting the game, um, it it was just – it's pretty incredible to see uh, the versatility of the roster when you go that small, I, I thought that, you know, Kendrick Nunn played, I mean, he made some good reads and stuff like that. So you, you were able to kind of weather any storm that would have came from that roster and just keep, uh, you know, playing with the smaller guys and it, it worked to their advantage. What, okay. I don't know if Alex is still here. He might've gone on the zoom calls. So we'll just continue. Nope, still here. Go, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, what, what did you think of that? Cause it, it surprised me. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I honestly didn't know that they played so much throughout the regular season. I don't hate the, the, the look at all just because I think this is something that a lot of NBA teams kind of get away with now for stretches during games where they can kind of, especially if the offense is kind of bogging down, that those types of lines I feel like can get one going where you have multiple, you know, dribbling, shooting guys. And I don't hate the idea, man. I'm, I'm glad that we got to see Kendrick Nunn play, though. I'm, I'm really glad. I, I feel good about it. I, I feel good about the looks he was getting. And I got to say, man, I was in the money with that about, <laughs> about Derrick Jones Jr. coming out of the rotation for Kedrick Nunn. I, I, I think Spo is uh, – I'm, I'm really excited by this because Spo is clearly, like, trying to take advantage of, of the fact that Budenholzer doesn't really adjust properly. And he, he's, he's playing chess right now, man. I'm, I'm yeah. with it. 
And he only had, and he only well, had what thirty hours to prepare. I mean, it, it, that showed in right. this game is that Spolstra had much more time to get prepped for this. Well, it, it wasn't just that he had thirty hours, but then he lost his point guard before the game, and I I, I don't know if he knew Bledsoe wasn't going to play, but it was it was kind of determined to be a game time decision, questionable. So then it does adjust your rotation a little bit. I mean, I I like George Hill as a backup point guard at this stage but he's, he's not a starter. I, I just, I don't think he, I mean, you know, you're going back seven years to those Pacers heat series. He doesn't have the latter. He, he's, he's a tough defender. I'm very impressed with like Wes Matthews and the way he still defends. Well, the he post. was, he had an incredible and, game. Defensively. He's, a, he, he's really tough, but, but I, and George Hill's tough, but he's doesn't, again, their guards don't have great lateral quickness. It's not a team with great quickness. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that maybe Spolster was looking at it. We throw in an extra guard, you know, particularly none who has a little bit of a mid-range game between sort of the mid-range and the basket, and we can create some things there. Now, I want to get to some, some more specifics, though. Uh, let's go through these issues kind of one by one um, after this break and a word from our sponsor, Safe Cubbies. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safecubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers, and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well. So if you're involved with the school, this is definitely something your school should check out, of course, if we have school in the fall. And that's the point here. We were entering a new normal period with COVID-19. SafeCubbies.com, which is locally owned, is the place that you want to go. The phone number is 754-216-1071. Again, that's 754-216-1071 or SafeCubbies.com. All right, Ethan Skolnick back with Alex and Greg here on Five on the Floor. Let's go through sort of player by player and and what happened with them and what the defense tried to do to them and what they can do again. We have to start with Giannis. All right. And I do think that Giannis getting the three fouls early in the game, you know, hurt him, but also this is a trend with Budenholzer. Like he doesn't play him through stuff. He's averaging 32 minutes. I'd say he played 37. I mean, he ended up with three, three fouls and he held the three fouls. He ended up with 18, 10 and nine, six turnovers. What did you think of how the heat, guarded him and what did you think of the adjustments that he made or didn't make I, I, the other big number guys it's gonna be a huge issue he was four of 12 from the line i mean you know he had four free throw made four three throws i didn't even realize made, it was that bad and two threes four of 12 from the line and i tweeted early there's going to be a game that's decided at the free throw line between jimmy and Giannis. Uh, this and, might have been the one. <laughs> I, well i bet right? i think there's going to be another one jimmy was 12 of 13 and Giannis was four of 12 this was an 11 point game that was closer than that for most of it. I mean, you could kind of make that case. No, I think you're right. I think that's a, that's a pretty good point right there. They kept fouling to not get, not, I mean, not let Giannis get those looks in the paint. The only time I remember Giannis really getting a nice, comfy look was when he was as a roller. And again, I was worried about the Middleton Giannis uh, screen and roll. That's the only time where I was really worried about Giannis getting to the paint. 
when Giannis had the ball at the top of the key or around the free throw line, I wasn't particularly worried. They were just doing such a good job executing and making sure that he had absolutely no gaps to attack when, he, when trying to get to the rim. I just – it was beautiful. It was like defensive uh, disciplinarian textbook stuff right there. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, it was like – it was spo wizardry. I mean, like, you, you would think you'd sag off Giannis and let him shoot threes. And just on some possessions, they did that. But you also saw them kind of crowd him more and more, send him left as much as possible. When he doesn't get a full head of steam – because, like, literally, he if, he get, if he gets yeah. that full head of steam, he just lays it in on anybody. It doesn't really matter who's guarding him. But they, they crowded him enough where he couldn't get that kind of momentum. And then the fact that they kept funneling him left and Iguodala had a ton to do with that too in his limited minutes it was it was noticeable um it just was it was a great formula and I think it's another reason um Ethan you've talked a lot about the head coaching advantage in this series Mm -hmm. and I think that that was on display particularly in the second half yeah I think so and I think the other thing you saw is that the Heat players I think understand their limitations with Giannis so there were a couple of situations where Bam could have picked up a cheap foul in transition if he tried to challenge Giannis and he backed out of the way. I mean, there were some stupid heat fouls at the three-point line. They got to cut that bleep out. Okay, I mean, you can't, you can't be fouling George Hill on three-point shots, all right? It's just don't, okay? But, but as far as transition, they, Jay Crowder did a couple of things tonight that are such veteran plays. I mean, there was one time he pulled the chair out from under him, um, and, and then there, there was another time where he basically ran Giannis into a screen to pick up an offensive foul. And I just think... What we're seeing now is like when Pat Riley made those trades for Jay and Andre, he had this matchup in mind. Okay. Like we could talk about all the other factors of that trade, the flexibility for next year and what they do with it and keeping the flexibility for 21 and clearing out justice when he was unhappy, but also Pat Riley wants to win. Now he knew the team that was in his way. Now he knows how important it is to send a message to Giannis for the future now. And he goes out and gets two guys who are not afraid to guard him. And that's the thing. The Heat have four or five players on their roster who are not afraid to guard Giannis. It doesn't mean they're going to stop him. How many teams in the league have that? Like, they're just, they don't have, it's like the whole thing. Remember the whole thing about trying to guard LeBron when the Heat would play teams that would be just certain teams that would be like, okay, they don't, they don't have anybody to throw at LeBron. Like mm-hmm. maybe maybe like may- the Portland Trailblazers, who you guys thought was gonna were gonna beat the Lakers. Well, okay, I don't want to talk about. Oh, okay, here you go. I'm talking about I'm talking about six Lebron. I'm not talking about twenty three <laughs> Lebron. I'm talking about six Lebron, where it was like, okay, you'd play against Phoenix, you'd be like, all right, PJ Tucker will guard him, okay, but they don't have anybody else. Like th- that's what it is with Giannis. Like you have to have guys who are at least willing to take the challenge. The Heat have Bam. They've got Andre. They've got Jay. Uh, you know, they didn't even DJ. use, they didn't even use DJJ, you know, no, I mean? nope. that's their fifth. That's exactly. their fifth. And, Jimmy, and, you know, man, Jimmy had some possessions there on Giannis too. No, he did. He did. And, th- and that's, that's the difference. And that is one of the reasons when you don't have fear of a superstar on another team, it changes the whole dynamic of the series because Milwaukee beats people just by walking in the door. Like you guys keep going. No, I mean, if, if you don't have anybody who, who will match up with him, then everything else opens up and, and, you know, things did open up and I want to get to the next guy in a second, but I just think this is the problem. And again, this is, and I encourage you to read my column that I put on five reasonsports.com about an hour before the game. This is what this is about. Like, I think Giannis is going to see this. <laughs> like, 
okay, I, you know, here's a team that knows how to scheme, knows how to take a player out of the game. That might be a team I want to join. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, the whole, the whole quote that you had there that you tweeted from like November where this is a, a team that's going to be built for Giannis to love or something like that. I'm, I mean, in hindsight, you were so right about that. <laughs> or whoever. Got to be right about something sometime. <laughs> wherever that quote came from, that was just a, that was a, a very accurate. I mean, it, it would just be an amazing fit with him. But what I was going to say was you guys really nailed it with the whole fear thing, how the Heat are really just not afraid at all of the Bucks. They look so poised throughout the game. They were never. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. For sure, like even when, you know, the Bucks were up 11 and they had those points where, you know, the, the Heat were down double digits and they couldn't get really any offense going for a couple of minutes. They were not scared, man. They just kept going and kept executing their game plan. And I sound like a coach right now, but at the end of the day, like, yeah. they just kept going. Like, the, it's almost like they, they didn't let anything mm-hmm. anything phase them in the moment. And, they and like, Duncan Robinson didn't shoot well. He Like, shout out to Brady Hawk. Duncan Robinson doesn't have two bad games in a row. He doesn't shoot like that mm-hmm. twice. So, like, here comes game two, and they yeah, like haven't even tomorrow. seen that yet. Exactly. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, so let's get to the next player here because everybody was angry at me early because I referred to Chris Middleton as Swingman Mo Williams. And then Chris Middleton went out to what scored 21 in the first half and then turned into Swingman Mo Williams in the second half. Um, oh my God. He, he shot, he shot, what did he shoot in the second half? Three of I love 10? How you, I love how you're spinning this right I, now. Well, what did he shoot in the second half? What did he end up? Okay, let's, let's, let's take a look. He was let's 12 of 24, but I don't know what he was in the second half. Uh, but your point stands because he was absent, particularly as the game got. It, when it crept to like uh, a crawl there at the very end, that that was uh, Middleton got he got bottled up by Jimmy. He did, but it wasn't just Jimmy though. That's the thing. They started to crowd him constantly uh, in the second half. Like I, to me, they and I'll have to watch it again. I recorded it. They did a lot of what Orlando did against him. It just took them a half to get there, and and you know the, the minutes with especially when Giannis was not on the floor, he struggled. And he is the bellwether for this series. If he outplays Jimmy Butler, they'll win this series, okay? Because none of their point guards are going to outplay Goran Dragic, and we'll get to him in a second. But he's got to outplay Jimmy Butler. And I know that's a tall task, but it's possible with the level that Middleton can sometimes get to, but then he's got to sustain that first half. (laughs) And and they took him out in the second half, and I think they can continue to do that. I I really do. I I think, again – the, the, the biggest commodity in the NBA right now is switchable wings and they have switchable wings that they, they're never going to put, they're never going to put a guy in a really bad position against him because they've got another one. Who's also six foot six to six foot eight that they can throw out there against him afterwards. So I understand people are going to look at the final line and give me bleep about this. Okay. Because Chris Middleton ended up with what uh, 28, six rebounds and five assists and two steals. Looks like a damn good game. Ended up fouling out, had four turnovers, but he ended up a minus. Well, Williams-esque. And he felt, well, Mo, I was just, just going to say, it, it felt like Jamal Mashburn a little bit, Ethan. It did, where Jamal would sometimes put up numbers, but, or Eddie would put up numbers, but you were waiting for them at the end. He wasn't there at the end. And, and I, I don't know if he's going to be there at the end this series. So do I, do I get a mulligan for this one? 
I don't know what that means. I'm too young for that. Uh, uh, yes. I mean, it's, it's golf. The short uh, answer I mean, is it, yes. It, okay, thank you. It, it, oh, I'm too uh, Hispanic for that. My bad. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm too Jewish for that. But anyway, no, actually, I'm not. It's golf. Uh, they, they, they still let us into some of the courses. Um, is a mulligan a good thing or a bad thing? No, a mulligan <laughs> means that you basically get a do-over on it. Like, it's, you know, uh, it, it, it's written off, okay, that I was – because everybody was on me for the whole first half. But, again, he, he had 21 in the first half and seven in the second half. Well, if he you have seven to say, in the though. second half consistently, they'll be fine with that. Yeah, you have, the fi- you have the five reasons curse following you around a little bit from all the watch parties, which at least we're saving ourselves from right now. Yes, yes. No, that's yeah, true. That's, that's it was true. looking rough in the first half for you, Ethan. I, he was definitely not as good in the second half. But I will say, I mean, Brooke and, and Chris Middleton going off, I think a lot of it had to do with the way that the Heat were loading up on Giannis where it was just kind of easier for those guys to get the extra second of space that they might not have in a, in a one-on-one matchup. And uh, they got hot, man. They can do it. And, and that's why I really do think that as simple as it may sound, this, this is going to end up coming down to the free throw line and the three-point line. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I do trust, like, both teams are going to execute good enough to get the looks that they want. I mean, b- besides the fact that the Bucs aren't really getting to the paint uh, that much for Giannis, at the end of the day, it's going to be close games, and it's going to be decided by the free throw line and which team is shooting better from three. And the Heat didn't have that advantage today and still won. Yeah, no, they did because they killed him at the line. I mean, I, the line advantage was 14 of 26 versus 25 of 27. So, again, it's Giannis and Jimmy mostly and Dragic. But the Heat so had all those points won. that they were supposed to get from threes, they kind of replaced with the free throw. Well, they, they won the game by 11 and they won the free throw line by 11 <laughs> uh, with, only, with, with only one more attempt. And I, that's a big part of this. All right, let's get to the next one and then. Uh, We'll get to another break and kind of look ahead a little bit to game two. Um, I, I want to touch on, on Dragic here for a second uh, because we're starting to take this for granted. But he's a 34-year-old point guard who played 34 minutes and had 27, 6, and 5. And the biggest thing to me about him is he can st- – I thought he lost a step a, a year or two ago where mm-hmm. him turning the corner was not automatic, that he was going to get in the lane. And you also saw his numbers – around the basket in terms of his layup percentage, which was always so high, um, went way down. But, like, he's turning the corner now. Like, I, I don't know if it's that Milwaukee was slow with his rotations, but there were only two occasions the entire game where I thought he tried. Sometimes he'll try to get in the lane and he'll have to circle back, and, you know, that's where some of the turnovers come because he gets caught under the basket. That only I only saw that twice today. Every other time he wanted to get into the lane, he got – into the lane it does does Bledsoe stop this in any way or is this just the Goron we're going to see here in the bubble I don't think he does because uh this is all predicated on Goron when he shoots well when he starts gaining confidence from mid-range or, or particularly from three like we've seen in the playoffs so far it opens up everything for him and then when you factor in that like that he has that touch around the rim uh with those short little runners and stuff like that uh he's so herky jerky they don't really know where he's going and and where exactly he's trying to get to on the floor and uh so he's essentially being he's able to get his shot up at will almost um, and that's just not stuff that we, you know, you thought that that's the things that would decline, but in this setting, and you, we've talked about it over and over, he, he basically can just bottle this up for one run and, um, and he's, he's putting it all together. I mean, this is Euroleague. It was a Euroleague MVP, Goran. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, my stupid bubble theory seems to be playing out, which yeah, my bubble, my bubble say, theory that never made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God, you were on the money, man. Is it? You said five straight playoff. I mean, five straight games now where he scored at twenty. Five straight games he scored twenty. I mean, he's, against he's the Pacers 24. and Bucks defenses. I mean, come on, man. That's two top five defenses right there. Like it's crazy. What, what would he I'm so happy for him. I'm now. so happy that Mark Cuban didn't take him. Well, Alex, I'm gonna okay, that's true. And let, let me ask you this: what would he command on the open market? Because I don't really feel like he's on the open market this offseason. Like I feel like, like yeah, I agree with you, Greg. Something is not gonna. They're they're gonna do what they have to do to keep him. But let's just say normal salary cap year, which this is not okay with COVID and everything else. Uh, but let's let's just say normal salary cap year. What would a team in the open market give Goran Dragic? What do you think? Probably like three fifty three, something like that, somewhere. To take in that him point. up to his thirty seventh birthday. I mean, I maybe with the option on that last year, but I, mm. I, I think I think that you're floating in the mm-hmm. seventeen million range on long years. But for one year, I mean, like he's he's probably going to get twenty million. He'll probably get a little bit of a pay raise. He's going to get the Dwayne one year deal that he got in two thousand fifteen. He's going to get yeah, the right. one year. And again, they they had him traded a couple times. Like it's it's like this close a couple of times, and that he's doing this now is. And I want to do an episode because I threw this out on Twitter. He had some fun with it. I don't want to tease it too much, but is he a top ten player in Heat history now? Um, I I, I think there's a case that can be made. You, you get to seven or eight pretty quickly. And then it gets more complicated, but I mean, if anything is pushed them further, save it, down, save uh, it. Is this run, man, this we're, playoff run he's had so far. We're gonna save it, but this is, um, I mean, this is really one of, considering his age. Uh, it's incredible, and, man. I mean, the run he's having is it, this is an all-time Heat run. I mean, there's not. Is there a Heat player who's played this well at his age in the playoffs? I mean, no. Timmy was Timmy was gone, right? Um, yeah, no, Tim, Timmy was gone, and guys like Ray and Birdman that that did these things as they were, you know, getting up in age, they did it in in short spurts, never for five never games like consecutively. Yeah, and, and Dwayne, yeah. okay, well, how old was Dwayne in sixteen? He was. That's the comparison. He was born in thirty. Uh, oh, excuse me. He, he was in eighty-two. Eighty-two. So he was thirty-four. He's about Goran's age. Yep. That's so a, that's the that, comparison. That's actually go. a great poll. I'm going to throw that up. Who who had a better playoff at age 34? Uh, Dragic. By the way, we've got because uh, I have to sell here. The the Enter the Dragon uh, T-shirt is awesome, and it's on our website. And Smoot actually painted it, our our designer. So go buy a few of those. Um. So and maybe we'll give the money to the Heat so that they can help pay Goran to keep him. Uh, let's go through a, a couple more play. <laughs> let's go through a couple more players here. But before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Now this is an old sponsor that's now a new sponsor, and this is a sponsor that's going to come in handy if you want to bet the Heat. That's my. Bookie, you know, winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. And my bookie winning season means hitting all of your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals as Heat fans did today. I hope you took the plus 350 for the series. Rejoice. It's time to celebrate NFL season also. So invest in your intuition. Use the promo code five on the floor. Spell it out. F-I-V-E on the floor and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Use the promo code five on the floor. 
double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. All right, let's get to a couple more things here before we start to look ahead a little bit to game two. Um, the Heat bench today, we've talked about a couple of them. Hero played 29 minutes. Uh, Nunn played 16. Iguodala played 19. Kelly played eight. They didn't shoot the ball well collectively. Do you have any concerns about anything that happened off the bench today? I don't think so. Now, we're not walking away from this game with any concerns, but, but particularly because the shooting was off, and that's generally what we can count on, and also the fact that these guys uh, typically outplay most second units, and I think Milwaukee will be included in that. Uh, the, it was just another reason why Milwaukee really had to get this one. Uh, I, I'm not concerned yet. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't. I'm not as sure about them outplaying the Bucks uh, bench going forward, just because Dragic is in the starting lineup, and I know they're staggering regardless. So this whole bench thing isn't really as, uh, you know, prominent as it was before when they were running kind of, you know, five starters, five bench. I think they've they're kind of doing that more. I mean, less and less as the games go on. But what I am interested to see and is going to affect this conversation is Bledsoe, because I think George Hill was a huge reason why the Bucks bench was so consistent and just competent out there. They were one of the most productive benches all year. And if George Hill, kind of like Dragic, goes back to the bench, I think would, uh, would be better. The difference is Dragic is just kind of having one of the best stretches he's ever had in a Heat uniform, probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas George Hill is just kind of, you know, going game by game right now. But, yeah, I, I do think the Bledsoe thing is going to make a difference because it's going to – Bledsoe is just a, an, an all-defense type of guy. It'll probably make, he'll make life harder for Dragic. And because of that, George Hill will be back off the bench. I think that will swing it. And it's good that they got this game with Bledsoe out, man, because it's, he, he's going to mm -hmm. make it tougher. I want to get to uh, Bam now. And, and I've saved him for last because I feel uh, like he's going to get overlooked. So I want to devote a little bit of time here to him at the end of five on the floor. Uh, the, you know, I mentioned the numbers earlier, and, and there was one moment, of course, that's going to stand out. And I know all of us you know, kind of tweeted about it at the same time which was the jumper with the shot clock winding down. Um, the Chris Bosh, it looked to me like Chris Bosh. When all else failed, Chris bail you out of a, a possession at the end, and Bam did it with, I think it was a 15 or 16-foot jumper from the wing. Um, Has he been watching a Carmelo Anthony film? That it was, looked uh, like KG. It, it looked like the, the jab step, right? The, the jab <laughs> step. I was, it was so, like, quick. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> this is a little advanced. It was like, it was like mellow in his prime to me, <laughs> but that's, but that's the thing though. It's in there, right? It's in there. And this is why we keep harping on what he can be. And I look, he was five of 12 from the floor. He ended up with 12 points, but 17 rebounds, six of them offensive, including a couple that were big and the six assists. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people watch him for the first time and they're going to be watching. Some people are going to be watching him for the first time during the playoffs. You know, they're not heat fans. And they're not understand what the big deal is with this guy. And then you kind of look at the overall impact today and the way he allows them to play. I mean, you know, the jumper to me was the icing on the cake. He was great throughout. I feel like there's been very few players that have came through the heat program that provide as much on the defensive end without relying on shot blocking from a big man perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the things he covers up, uh, you know, for years, we used to talk about what Alonzo did on the back line, even some of the things, the mistakes you could get, a, uh, you could get away with, with Hassan on the back line as rim protectors. Bam does all that, but he, he doesn't have to protect the rim. He's protecting angles and, and just the, the way 
that he plays, it, it, it's it's really remarkable that he's able to, on a bad shooting night, with the entire league watching against the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, really having that assignment. And then starting out rough, he missed a dunk. I, I mean, mm. I know that there were, there were moments yep. like that where you could start to get into your head a little bit. He still continued to impact winning to the buzzer. It was, it was great stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was just not a great matchup for Bam. I don't mean that like I, I – he, he was absolutely productive. I think he was probably their second or third best player tonight like he always is. I think pretty much solidly throughout this whole playoff, you know, these five games where the Heat haven't lost a game, is it's Jimmy, Bam, and Dragic has been the three most important players. And, yes, Duncan Robinson is still up there because of his impact and his gravity still opening things up for everybody else. But those three have been their best, and I don't want to include – I mean, I want to make sure to include Bam in this, man, because I just think he is essential to everything they do. I, I, I thought he, he was really good tonight as the back line. Something we talked about with Ty Windish last night was him being on the back line of the defense while Crowder or somebody else checks Giannis one-on-one. And I thought that was really successful, even though Brook Lopez got so many threes because of it. I think that's what they wanted, man. I, and and I, they wanted to keep Giannis out of the paint. And even though he got to the line a bunch of times, he missed them. And I think Bam has everything to do with why the Heat are in this position right now. He makes everything go for them. And it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where Bam is just so damn important, right? Like, they, he is every bit as important to me as Jimmy. Even, even with what Jimmy is doing in the playoffs and scoring, they don't get to that point where Jimmy's closing without Bam doing everything he's doing. Well, and the other thing about it, imagine the trust level you need to basically decide you're going to play one big <laughs> In the playoffs, a Pat yeah, Riley Kelly didn't or- even play much, right? Kelly played eight minutes. Uh, so, like a Pat Riley organization, okay, that has relied, you know, I know the LeBron years were different, but relied on the Zos and the Shacks to carry them home, okay, and and then, but not only that, but I know the game has changed too. But to have you know backup centers like, I mean, the, the championship team in 06 had Zo and Doliak on their bench, okay, like Doliak could have started for some teams even at that stage. And, and to have, like, to basically say, we're going to play one big. Like, Kelly will get some minutes on occasion. We're going to play one big. We're not even going to put another big out there with him. We're going to put a bunch of wings, uh, switchable wings out there with him. We're just going to trust him. Like, I, I don't think – again, I think we have to put this stuff into context. It's been so long because this damn season has been so long that we're forgetting that, like, going into this season, it was can Bam handle the increased workload with, the, with Hassan gone? Like, that's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And, like, now it's like, yeah, only big. No issue. Like, however many yeah. minutes he plays, he'll stay out of foul trouble. He'll make the right plays. They'll run offense through him. And, and the other thing about it is, how many minutes did he play tonight? He must have played. Yeah, he played 37. 38, 38, yeah, 30, yeah. Thir- 38. I mean, the COVID thing, we can put that to bed, right? Because, I mean, there was some concern about him getting his win back when he came back to the bubble, playing 38 minutes. And it worked out just fine. Um, I want to get to something else here in a second. We've got one more topic to get to. It's a little bit off subject. I certainly want to get into with Greg on this um, because I think there's a, a, there's a piece of this. I, I feel like we shouldn't let the night pass. Before we do, I want to tell you about louispeters.com, a state farm agent, an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States, more than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. Access 24-7. So if you can't walk in during the day, they're, they're um, in Miami on Southwest 117th Avenue. If you can't do that, make sure you call in 305 305- 
305-275-5585. That's 305-275-5585. Or click in at louispeters.com, L-U-I-S-P-E-T-E-R-S.com. Personalized service tailored to every customer. There are no cookie cutter solutions in insurance. So whatever kind of insurance you need, reach out to our friend, Mr. Peters. Uh, I want to close here. I'm, we're not going to get a lot into game two because we got a whole night to do that. I, I want to talk a little bit about John Thompson, if we can, before the, the episode's over with, because, you know, not only was he one of the most impactful college coaches of all time, um, a lot of my youth was spent watching Big East basketball with Jim Beheim and Looney, Louis Karnaseka and, and John Thompson when guys stayed four years and, <laughs> and you got to know them. But also, he had a major impact on Heat history, um, and I think we should acknowledge it tonight. I don't know that the Alonzo Mourning thing works so well in Miami without the relationship that was developed between Pat Riley and John Thompson uh, because of the trust level that, that Zoe had in John Thompson after some things that happened in his own life. Um, and, and obviously, if you know a little bit about Zoe's story where he basically – he basically orphaned his parents um, when he was a kid and John Thompson became, you know, kind of the father figure in his life. And then Pat Riley became that, but there was a bridge between the two of them. And one of my favorite moments of the past few years of any of these ceremonies was Thompson and then Riley presenting uh, Zoe to the hall of fame. Uh, uh, Greg, the significance for you, because I, I just, I, John Thompson was a presence around the heat for years because of, Zoe, but also the matchups against Patrick Ewing. You know, whenever John was not working, uh, he, he seemed to be somewhere around those series. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, Pat, Patrick Ewing, he's kind of attached to the heat as well in some weird way because of all those battles. So, so there was more tie-ins that way. But, but one of the biggest takeaways that I remember distinctly was uh, when Alonzo got in that fight with Larry Johnson, it was probably the moment in his career where the, the loudest cries of, is he a guy who can be your number one? Can he lead your franchise or is he a hothead? And there was a lot of, um, criticism that came down on him even prior to coming to Miami and a really big part of the maturity that that Alonzo saw as he uh, kind of grew into what we saw in Miami as a defensive player of the year had to do with John Thompson and Pat Riley and their communication level together as they kind of mentored him and they stuck by him. There was no abandoning him uh, in terms of uh, being behind him as the franchise guy. And then we really saw Alonzo blossom into that role. So that, that was something that I always remembered um, that you would hear John Thompson attributed to. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate um, to hear of his passing and um, uh, you know, prayers out to his family yeah it's been that kind of year right like it's just every day you wake up and there's somebody else of significance uh who and, and it's crazy somebody else of significance who had a had a real impact on on equality in this country too who passes it's just uh you know <laughs> you know it just seems like uh like day after day after day but yeah john was i mean i interviewed john a few times um he could be there's certain characters presences in sports that have a certain aura to them but they also shake you up a little bit because you feel like if you ask them the wrong question you're <laughs> you were gonna get uh you're gonna get an answer you probably didn't like and um john was one of those people I, that i interviewed that i was a little in awe of um because you know it was the hoya paranoia and all that stuff that went on there uh but obviously had a big role 
uh, in, he had a big role in, in those Heat and Knicks series for sure because he shaped both of those centers um, so much. All right, I just got a text. We'll close here. This is from somebody very close to a Miami Heat player. Quote, this thing will be over in five. I don't oh. He, I don't think he means the Bucks. Check out the live stream if you haven't. Alphonse Sydney is there hosting with the rest of our crew. We'll be back for you tomorrow and obviously we'll be doing the pregame streams postgame streams thanks to everybody who got us over 4,000 on youtube thanks to everybody who's pushing us towards 2 million downloads of this here particular podcast we appreciate it heat up one nothing game two 6 30 on wednesday culture thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.